0: Hey there, Danny with Right Foot Down. I messed up this ad read so many times because I really want to tell you about Track Monkey Apparel. They make great quality enthusiast shirts, along with hats, stickers, watches, patches, you name it. A couple of my personal favorites are their "Life is Better at the Track" tee and their "One Track Mind" tee. You should really check them out and see for yourself.
1: Their products are great for you or the gearhead in your life. Visit (laughs) TrackMonkeyApparel.com.
0: You're listening to the Untitled Car Show in partnership with RightFootDown.com. Visit RightFootDown for your daily automotive fix. If you enjoyed today's program, please tell a friend. It's the best way to support this show. If you want to visit the archives, go to YouTube and search for Untitled Car Show. That'll bring you to the archived episodes. If you want to follow this show, just search for Untitled Car Show on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can always send an email to the show at Untitled Car Show at rightfootdown.com. We're so glad you decided to spend the next hour or so with us. Without further ado, let's get into today's program. Oh, hello and welcome to the Untitled Car Show. Okay, audio is recording. That's great. <laughs> um, today I have Patrick Hofstetter. He is Associate Editor and Podcaster over at Hooniverse.com and he also is on the podcast BFL, which stands for one of my favorite things, which is Dead Fucking Last. Um, you know, What's sad, Patrick, is you know how long it took me to uh, figure that out. Like some race car driver had to explain it to me, which is, I think, kind of sad. So uh, thank you for joining me this evening. How are you doing tonight?
1: Yes, uh, thank you for having me. I'm doing quite well. Um, yeah, I think DFL, I don't want to take all of the credit for names, but I th- think DFL was my suggestion because it kind of fits the theme of the show a whole lot. Of uh, We're probably going to be the last to tell you the news. Um, we're probably going to be the last to cover everything if uh, – from the previous weekend because our show goes up on Thursday on Hooniverse. Um but and it's just sort of an irreverent show about motorsports at the end of the day. So um, yeah, dead fucking last sort of fits our entire vibe and our ethos for the show. Um, yeah, and it's it's doing quite well, um, and I think the, yes, I think most race drivers I've told the name to uh, chuckle to themselves, and then most other people just assume it's some. Racing acronym and they don't they don't anticipate the f bomb in the middle of the acronym acronym but uh you know we keep it classy over to universe mm-hmm.
0: it's uh you know a secret f bomb is the best f bomb so um since we're kind of just on the, the d f l let's just kind of get right into that so like you said it's a reverend it's kind of it's you it's steph schrader it's uh who else is on the show like for everyone uh, who hasn't it ever is, heard. uh
1: yeah, uh, our our hosts are um and I I really appreciate we've got um yes, it is a bunch of white dudes on the cast, but we also have uh, we also have staff um who does it, it it's always nice having um another view on things, especially when we get into topics of sexism in the industry and everything. It's always nice to have staff so we're not just a bunch of dudes talking about uh talking out of our asses. Um, but no, we started the DFL show about a year ago. Um, it's me, Bradley Brownell, Eric Rude. Um, Eric uh is over at roadkill.com and he does amazing work over there and at the Rusty Hub. Uh Brad is, of course, uh he runs um the Drives Porsche website. Um uh oh god, which I am confusing with the name of a bunch of other Porsche websites at the moment. I think it's Flat Six Society. I'm gonna check that out right now um and then we also have uh joel strickland who is this amazing photographer and motorsports fan from australia uh giving us the down under perspective um when we need it um and then uh duncan Endy, uh racing driver and friend of hooniverse is um our uh i, I want to say our co-host at large right now because he's super focused on the um the TCR international calendar right now. So he hasn't been able to uh, pop on in a couple months, but uh, we love him dearly. And he's always on our Slack chat talking with us about racing. So he's never too far from the show.
0: I mean, it's what's nice is it's a, want to say rotating, but there's, you know, like you said, there's the fixture. Those are the people who are going to be on. You might not get everyone every week, but you get this different viewpoints, different, um, perspective on racing. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's interesting because as a non-racing aficionado, it's kind of easy to pick it up because there are some more serious programs out there. There are some you know more serious uh, podcasts. There's some the racing stuff to listen to, but listening to you guys kind of talk about what happened. I think the last one was about what happened montreal if i'm not mistaken, was the last f1 race yeah so i should know this because i'm actually in a fantasy f1 series and i'm doing very well and i have no idea how i'm doing well in it because i well no (laughs) no i know how i'm doing well in it is because i'm talking to a former race car driver i'm like who should i pick to win for these and he's telling me so that that secret's out on that um but kind of getting like the download of what's happening in a less than totally serious format is very interesting listening to you guys. And I really appreciate the perspective you bring and the perspective, you know, the Australian brings and Steph brings and you get, you know, Eric and everyone kind of is, you know, a little different, but it's, it's easier to tell what's going on when you have those different perspectives and kind of makes it more friendly to the entry level, which I really appreciate it because like, you know, Dusty, who does the slipstream thing, I love listening to what he's got, but there is some technical stuff and stuff in there that sometimes slips over the head, and you guys kind of don't have quite that same issue uh, with what you got going on. And, and again, not a disparage to Dusty, because I know sometimes he listens, but it's kind of different in a more, I don't know, less serious, more kind of like four friends sitting around at a bar talking motorsports than, like, at-the-track interviews. Sort of deal, I guess. Am I just yeah. totally talking on my ass there, or I mean, is that a good summary? No, I,
1: no, I think you've really actually hit the nail on the head of like the vibe we want to go for. Um, it is a panel show. Um, I, I want to say it is a. It's always more car talk than it is fresh air. <laughs> um, yeah, because I'm an NPR nerd. That's that's basically where I come on and from it, and that's what kind of where my love of podcasting originated from was my love of NPR. <laughs> um which yeah
0: do you, do you want to do the entire rest of his program in whisper talk
1: i i might have sent a text to my girlfriend and i love your show i'm super 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 far behind cuz that's that's the thing no one tells you about when you uh when you start trying to put words out there into the ecosystem is you have less time for words coming in and oh, yeah. when you write about cars, sometimes the last thing you want to hear is more cars. <laughs> um
0: yeah, I, 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 we're getting I back text... to that point at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I did text my girlfriend that um yeah, your show feels very um it feels very um inside the actor's studio rather than uh the DFL show, which in its best uh is four friends plus uh, Talking Racing, and at its worst is uh, every now and then a a drunken melee. Um, We actually have a lost episode of the DFL show that hasn't gone up yet and might never um, that we actually recorded at a bar when Brad was in town with me and Steph uh, after the IMSA race in Austin uh, with some friends, and we, uh, yeah. uh, A
0: little imbibed, a a little too much, maybe?
1: I did. I, Brad was driving, so he was fine, but um, I, uh, the DFL show, I, I honestly say it is one of the highlights of my week each and every week. Um, Cause no matter who is on with me, I know I can have a solid, fun conversation with, um, just some friends about what's going on in racing. And uh, we, we broach the serious. That's i we can't shy away from it sometimes, but um, no, we just, we like having fun. We like, um, one of my favorite things is, uh, someone that tells me that I made them laugh that week or they appreciate my humor on the show or whatever. That's, um, cause, uh, to me, just causing that little bit of enjoyment in someone else's life, uh, for the week is just enough for me to keep going and make that next episode that next week, even if the racing wasn't interesting or, even if we have something tough to get through, um, yeah, I I love that show dearly.
0: Yeah, it is one of my favorite things about podcasting is the interaction you get, and I'm, like you talked there, it's so rewarding because, like you said, you you approached this because you listen to NPR stuff. I I used to listen to NPR stuff too, and like you said, it just you slowly lose the ability to listen to other people as, like, your life kind of takes off in this area because um, you don't realize that an hour of talking involves so much prep on the front and the back half of it, which is just absolutely crazy. And then editing and everything else that goes into it. And, you know, you're not only doing the, uh, you know, podcasting stuff, you're do- writing articles, you're working over at Hooniverse, which uh-huh. is you know, completely other, like, anyone who has editor in their title i am super impressed with because i can't write good words yeah i yeah <laughs> i
1: so uh, people uh, that follow my work on universe this year probably noticed that it is um slowed down a bit from it was previously and i've i've had to take a lot of uh mental health personal time so far this year uh but yeah the the drive to put words out there to be viewed and critiqued is never something that um, it's something that hit me after it hit me in my senior year of high school that I, it was something I actually enjoyed doing. Um, And then I just pursued it from there. But yeah, the Brad, uh, Brad, God bless him. He takes up the, uh, the task of editing and posting the show every week. Uh, and I can't thank him enough for that. And uh, Eric mostly tackles show notes. I add what uh, I add, anything he misses or clarifies, or sometimes just throwing a joke into the show notes to see if Eric catches it before he says it out loud, which is always fun.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so my my work on my work on DFL that is not social stuff and is not um, you'll notice that I on the feed have pretty much done most of our one-on-one interviews at this point with racing drivers and the like. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not by design or anything. Joel's done them too. And Brad's done one or two. Um, But uh, it's just interviewing people about racing. is just something super interesting to me. So that's sort of my niche in the group. I feel. Um, And I'm the, I'm the youngest, so I don't have the deepest, uh, the deepest pool of knowledge. Always on certain subjects. When we start getting into the early '80s, late '70s is when I start fuzzing out. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's just it's just such a fun show, and I'm shocked every week that anyone actually listens.
0: <laughs> I joined the club. It's it's weird. Um, the, the show that... is
1: far more po- popular than ours. So God bless you, buddy. Uh,
0: I appreciate that, though. No, so I'm curious. Have you? I haven't gone back through the whole thing. Have you interviewed Patrick Sandel by any chance?
1: We have not. I, I have not talked to another Patrick about racing yet, okay. which is actually a hard task considering how many of us there are.
0: So I'm going to warn you right now. Patrick Sandel has, like, dreamy eyes, and uh, you will get lost in them. So just, like, bring a pair of sunglasses because, like, when he looks at you, it's like I, you're his whole world. So
1: I have two people that have made me feel like that when I interviewed them. Um, one is uh, Mark Weber who formerly of Red Bull Racing, then of Porsche, and now he's sort of this Porsche. I don't want to say he's a PR person, but he kind of is at this point. He's a spokesperson for the brand and the liaison for the LMP1 team more than anything at this point. But when I interviewed him for the first time, he did this unnerving thing when I I, I gave him my hand to shake. He took it one of the most beautiful farm grips I've ever experienced in my entire life. That's a lovely one out of context. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then he shook my hand and then winked at me at the same time. And I was so charmed and utterly disarmed that I just found myself actively like stammering and lost for words, which is not <laughs> usually that's some, not usually something that happens even with drivers. I'm, way fanboy over Um, interviewing Bruno Senna was almost the same way, but that was just looking him in the eyes and listening to him and just seeing and hearing Ayrton. Yeah. And as a Senna fan and I'm a fan of Bruno's as well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to diminish him at all, but just like where I'm sitting in my apartment right now, I can see my Genesis copy of Ayrton Senna's Super, uh, Super Monaco GP2. Which is not a very good racing game, but is hilarious because it's a Sega game with Ayrton Senna's name on it. Uh, And there's, it's that famous picture, one of the famous pictures of him in a car, helmet on, with just the visor up, and all you see is eyes and bridge of nose. On that view, Bruno is identical to his uncle, and it's so weird interviewing him. It was that's the interview I'm the most proud of. It's still on the feed. So if you ever want to inflate my ego, please go download that interview and listen to it cuz I was super proud of that.
0: Yeah, that that is I I'm going to go give that a listen cuz I've been going through the backlog. So I'm going to go back down and I'm going to find that. So I mean that's awesome cuz that's you know as close as you can get to interviewing, you know, Santa, which is just crazy. So you know you've only been at it for a year and you already got you know great names like that who've done interviews on the show with just yourself and i i think i've seen there's been a couple of other guests when you do the panel type interviews as well or am i just completely um, like looking back through the backlog and just misunderstanding what i'm saying
1: we've had uh we've had a few um we've had one guest on where it was the panel of us talking to the guests and he just joined us for the entire episode that was a uh, Actually that was dusty. Um now that I think about it. Um but uh or was it shit. I forget what his handle is, but I think it's dusty. Uh it's um Yeah dusty over it.
0: Oh yeah, you're allowed to fucking curse. I don't give a uh, shit. Yeah.
1: Oh okay, okay. I didn't uh, from all of the times I, I listened to your show, I never can remember if there's an explicit tag or not. Uh,
0: there is one which is probably hurting the whole advertising thing, but Again, like I explained to all the guests before we begin, this is a safe place, so just feel free to just let it go. So.
1: Sounds good. Uh, and I do want to say to anyone that listens to this and then uh, listens to the DFL, I, one of my main jobs at the DFL that I've taken on myself is uh, I want to make that show as an inclusive a space as possible because motorsports usually isn't. Yeah. And that's really important to me. Um But yeah, um I think I think Joel might have done a few interviews where it was more than one person at a time. I can't remember if I have successfully or not. Mm. I tried to interview um Katherine Legg and Andy Lally together of the ninety three NSX in Imsa. Uh and it was just boy howdy. I've never had an interview go bad before. <laughs> oh boy, that was that was not fun. Uh, mostly because all of the parts I wanted to use their PR person said I couldn't. (laughs) Uh, and then all of the, uh, all of the audio that I could use after that was, uh, unusable from an audio issue. So Mm. that was fun.
0: Yeah. But that was like, I managed to like get Francine from Mitsubishi motors. Wonderful guest. Absolutely. Enjoyed her. Um, But the timing worked out where I had her on the day that it was announced that Nissan was buying Mitsubishi. And she emailed me and said, by the way, I can't talk anything about that. And I went, son of a bitch. (laughs) Because, like, perfect timing. I, like, had this interview scheduled for, like, weeks out in advance. And then it's like, yeah, I can't talk about this. Crap. I mean, wonderful interview besides that but it's like sometimes you end up with stuff that you really want to ask and really want to talk about and you just can't because that's them's the breaks so
1: i think the closest thing i have to that in my entire career so far career i in career in huge air quotes by the way uh i i had heard from a source that is I've never heard from again uh, or haven't really talked to since, but uh, this is going to sound super painful to any of your uh, listeners familiar with motorsports. Back uh, last year in F1, um, I had gotten it on good authority that the Max Verstappen-Daniel Kvyat switch was going to happen at Red Bull a week before it was announced. No one else was publishing it at the time. No one else had even given it credence at the time, but I had heard that they were going to do it before Spain. And I thought it was so ridiculous that I didn't run it on Hooniverse. And I kick myself every fucking day that I did. that.
0: I mean, sometimes you just don't know, like how, how would you know? Like, cause it sounds, you know, ridiculous. Like you said. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I think that's my one regret. If, if, the, anyone wanted to know that
0: mm-hmm. in, in your career well let's let's talk a bit about how you got started in doing this so when did you fall in love with cars or racing i mean which which was it first racing or vehicle
1: oh, okay so um i i ha- actually when I, uh when you sent me the list of questions for this episode um i saw this and i thought of it, it was a really a three-stage thing it became racing with a gap in the middle to Top Gear, to caring about cars, hmm. because I loved. rate my my dad has been watching F one since seventy six. Wow. Um, and then him and my mother watched it together after they uh, got married, lived together, and then waited a couple years to have me. Uh, so I just grew up with it on on Sunday mornings, um, and I I learned to love it. Um the first race I ever went to was the 2001 USGP. Um I was tiny cuz I am a very young person. Um <laughs> but uh I remember the two things very clearly. The noise cuz it was the V10 era where they were screaming to 20,000 rpm with a V10 engine. Yeah that's nuts. Uh, it's it was it's just beautiful noise. That's all it can be described as to me. Yeah, um, And I remember Mika Hakkinen winning for the last time, and that has cemented me as a McLaren fan forever. Um, it's
0: been a good year for you, then.
1: <laughs> uh, let's forget that I'm going to say 2013 didn't exist. The first race of 2014 existed because we got a double podium. And nothing, nothing – like the first race of 2014 – is the only thing past 2012 that has felt real as a McLaren fan. Um, but uh, yeah. um, but so I, I thought cars were dumb. Like, I thought real cars were dumb. Like, supercars thought they were so stupid for the longest time. And then my high school girlfriend at the time, uh, one of her teachers had shown her the Top Gear Botswana special, as like a, what what the fuck else am I going to show the kids about Botswana? Um, that mm-hmm. will keep them aged. So I watched that, and then I watched all of the specials. And then after I had watched the specials too many times, I decided, ah, shit, I better dip into the rest of the real series, and I'll grin and bear it through the cars because these guys are funny enough. And then that's when the appreciation started to hit. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh, I started reading Jalopnik every day as I was a – well, I guess the timeline makes I, – I, it becomes a little fuzzy to me. I start, I read Jalopnik in middle school uh, when they announced – when they had gotten the secret renders of the C7 like a year and a half before it was unveiled.
0: You're proving how young you really are there. Yeah, keep going. So.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm 21. I'm not only am I 21, I'm almost freshly 21. I am three months into being 21.
0: Mm. Yeah, I turned 31 in a couple of weeks, and I hate you for that, but keep going. Yeah, that's, yeah.
1: I've, I've just had older friends all my life, so none of this is like weird to me that I'm like mm-hmm. talking to you on your show or that Brad and them are older than me on the DFL. Yeah. I just slot in. I'm used to being the baby of the group, but it's just not weird for me, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I, I've had a similar thing in my life, and it 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 becomes weird as you get older when you're like, wait a minute, like I'm the age like these people were when I was calling them old pieces of shit. Like that that that's gonna be a weird turnaround for you. It takes a bit getting used to it, believe me. Um,
1: but no, uh. So and then after <laughs> I started watching Top Gear and started appreciating the Stiglaps, laps, it started just appreciating the artistry that went into these super high end cars. But then I got my driver's license, and then, of course, everything just snowballed from there. Mm
0: -hmm. So when you got your driver's license, what did you learn to drive on?
1: I learned to drive on a 2003 base, base, base Hyundai Elantra automatic, Um, Mm. which was – because your first car is, of course, super fun to you no matter what it is. Yeah. Um, I – the statue of Limitate, My parents are never going to listen to this. They don't care. <laughs> that, the car getting totaled was not my fault. I was rear-ended. So anything I can say about that car is fine. Uh, there were some unpaved roads in an undeveloped part of the suburbs that I grew up that we would use as an impromptu rally stage uh, whenever we felt like it. And let me tell you, that car was good on dirt. Not good at anything else. Really good on dirt.
0: Yeah, front wheel drive, good, fairly good on work, and you don't give a shit about it because it's a old Hyundai. So why not? Um, and it's not. So you've got rear ended, so it was totaled out that way.
1: Yeah, someone. I was leaving school one day, uh and some jackass, and I. I don't get bullish on a lot of things people do in their car. I don't care if you eat in your car. I don't care if you fucking are playing with the radio or whatever. As long as you're not fucking texting and driving, I'm pretty much fine Mm -hmm. because I've had two major accidents in my life. All that all came down to someone was texting and driving. Um, So uh, yeah, dude was just texting in, uh, in his Chevy suburban and rear ended me at 45 miles an hour. Uh, So it was just toast. Yeah, Like, the car wasn't worth much to begin with, and then frame damage, and you're just done immediately.
0: Yeah. Hopefully you were well. I mean, you had a bunch of, you know, hatchback between you and the person behind you, so...
1: It was the sedan, actually.
0: Oh, so you had a trunk, so...
1: Yeah, Yeah, so I actually... uh, Yeah, the only... I had a sore neck and uh, really banged my head off the steering wheel, but that was about it.
0: Mm. So then... You're a car enthusiast. You just had a Hyundai totaled. So I assumed you try to, you know, trick the insurance adjusters into giving you just enough money to go out and get something fun.
1: So with the insurance money from that, my mom's friend was, se- I wanted a manual car very badly um, to learn how to drive stick. Cause of course you did at that time. If your first car wasn't stick. Yeah. My mom's friend was selling her 2000 and. One Audi B5 A4 1.8T with a 5-speed. And I drove that for a couple months until the electrics started to go all at once. And it would burn oil through the turbo. It was a beautiful, beautiful technical mess. Um, Having a turbocharged car, though, very fun. Very much recommend
0: it. Yep, I, I was about to make fun of an Audi electronics by realizing I'm putting an Audi motor into a Volvo, so I'm going to bite my tongue and just say they sh- they're terribly wonderful cars, terribly reliable, especially the mid eighty one, mid eighties ones. Great cars. Um nah, you're going to be fine. You're going to yeah, be fine. This makes total sense. Take the reliable Volvo motor out, put the Audi motor in. It total, total sense. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Electrical mess, nightmare, Audi motor, but you learn to drive stick, which is great. So then yes. I mean what's funny right now is there I've had people on the show who are like forty years old and are still driving around the first car they learn to drive, you know, on and we're right now have we even hit the age of seventeen at this point? Um barely. So, we were two cars in and we're barely 17. So, what was the car after that?
1: This is the car that I miss every single day of my fucking life. I, with some money from my parents because they were very nice and some extra insurance money, um, I got a Honda S2000 AP1, 2003. Um, which I then used as a delivery car for the Chinese place I worked at for the rest of my senior year in high school. Um, And uh, that car was beautiful. That is, um, so the 2003 had some of the livable improvements of the AP2, but still had that glorious 9,000 RPM red line, Um, still had the twitchier uh, rear suspension. And it's just, it was just a joy to drive. It was just beautiful, uh, mm-hmm. and that survived up until I moved to Austin for a couple of months, and then I, I got hit by a short bus, which is always a fun way for a car to go out. Um, and we should have fixed it. We should not have let it get totaled out. We should have fixed it. Mm. Um,
0: you, you said that the last one that someone was texting driving, and the next major accident you were in. So I'm assuming short bus driver texting.
1: No, no, that was just trying to be in the same place at the same time. Uh and uh it was it was ruled a no fault eventually, but uh yeah, it that just sucked. Um the, the second texting while driving incident is actually uh after the S two thousand was totaled, I got a scooter because I needed something very cheap uh in while well, I was in between cars and a lady in an Infiniti QX eighty. The giant ugly one. Yeah. Uh, She ran me off the road while texting and driving, and I shattered my shin. Oof. Oh, that's Yeah, sad. buddy.
0: It, did she get caught, or was this one of those things no. where she got away? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't even think she knows to this day that she ran me off the road.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I hope the karmic gods have done her poorly. And
1: I mean, she bought a QX80. Yeah. So, I mean, that was probably karma up front
0: yeah but what's sad is the people like it which is what boggles my mind like you know it's like the people who bought the nissan Murano cross cabriolet like they bought that because they like that like which i guess in of of itself is a punishment of having to go through life as being that person so you you have a good point so <laughs> so, so you, got, you got rode off on a scooter which is hilarious in a sad way and broke your shin so then was the shin on the driving foot on the accelerator pedal or the clutch pedal
1: uh it was my right leg so it was brake gas
0: yeah so then probably couldn't drive for a few months
1: no and then i was still without a car at that point um uh while i was still laid up and until i got back on two legs though i was uh under Steph's advice, I was courting a Porsche nine four four, which I eventually purchased. Um, nice, and that ended up being. Um, I, I can't put up with a vintage car with no AC in Austin, Texas. Just can't do it. No, car was fine otherwise, but like, nah, not fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, th- did you get rid of that then? Yeah, I don't blame you, if you. Did of, yeah.
1: Got rid of that after a couple months. Uh, and then, I ju- it has just been a year since I purchased my two thousand two thousand uh, NB Miata. Nice. Back to an open top.
0: Mm-hmm. So we we've a lot of good cars in there. I'm very impressed for such a young gentleman uh, to be such an extensive car history and a lot of good cars mixed in there. So, um, I mean. Driving around Austin, Texas in a Miata, given all the bro trucks that are driving around, do you feel, like? because I drive my Fiesta around D.C., and it's one of those things where everyone likes to drive big, giant SUVs for no good reason, but they feel like it makes them important. And the Fiesta, while a lot of people can't see it, gives me this wonderful ability to just cut through traffic. I mean, how is it living day-to-day with a Miata in Austin, Texas, of all places?
1: You know, it's lovely most of the time. Uh, in Austin, we don't get too much bro truck, thankfully. Um, we get a lot of big SUV, but in all honesty, it's a lot of really good sedans, hatchbacks, wagons, that sort of stuff. Like, people in Austin usually have pretty good taste in cars and vehicles. Mm. Um I must Every have come out on a bad day some. then,
0: because I just had bro-truck heaven when I was down there.
1: Well, okay, so I moved from Houston originally. Oh, okay. So. so, like, the level of bro-truck has gone down significantly to the point where I don't notice them anymore. But, like, as soon as I'm back in Houston, though, it is, like, yeah, I'm not, I haven't, the top of my roof is not to where the top of your tire is. Uh, you you will murder me if we get into an accident. Like, Let's not beat around the bush. I will die if I hit one of these trucks.
0: Yeah, or if they're texting while driving and just run you over, they won't even notice you. Oh, no, it'll be... Yeah. Probably more dangerous than a... Well, scooter in Austin is kind of like the biggest cliche about Austin you could have, I guess. Like, it's a college kid on his scooter driving around Austin. So, uh, <laughs> so I assume you're going there and going to the college there. They have a fairly, like... I don't know. I, well known, I'm a, maybe.
1: I'm a dropout, actually. Um. So, mm. uh, I oh i I originally moved to Austin for uh to go to ACC right away because I had no idea what I was wanting to do, so I didn't want to go to a four year school right away. Um, to save uh, money. Um. Uh, and then after I so I I had a semester interrupted when I got my leg broken because I actually. Physically couldn't commute to class anymore yeah uh, so i had to medically withdraw and i've never really gone back full-time i've completed plenty of classes but i've never really gone back full-time i've put down put my head down into writing and freelancing and that's it's mostly worked uh freelancing is kind of the worst thing i've ever done in terms <laughs> of reward for amount of effort but um I love what I do at the end of the day so I can't, I really can't complain too much.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, joined the college dropout club because it's a, it's a it's a good club. Um we had meetings but no one was showing up because we couldn't be bothered to show. Um Yeah. Probably the reason why we all dropped out. The uh no, but there is a great point to uh doing what you love, you know, and you're at that age where you know, just doing it, and you're gonna have to, you know, make your uh, way in life a little bit just because of the setup the way it is now. But I mean, in this business, I don't know if college helps out really that much because everyone is freelancing. Everyone's at such an even level that basically just work, 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 work until it pays off, and that's what you've been doing. And it, you know. I wouldn't call you a household name, but people know you in this industry, that's for sure, and especially in the racing side of the journalism stuff. So um, obviously what you're doing is working to some level, so uh, kudos for you for that. And I, I don't know, so what what is, you know, uh, I kind of lost my train of thought in there somewhere, and I don't know where to pick it back up from. <laughs> so I am just going to go with, uh, what's your favorite type of racing?
1: i would have to say historically and even to this day it's probably still f1 um f1 has been where i go back to racing wise and yes i've opened my doors to sports car racing and i've really gotten uh, or recently really gotten into indycar and um so yeah like the only things i really stay away from because i don't understand them are uh rally and nascar at this point Mm. um Ra-
0: NASCAR is the least correct answer here so that is correct. So
1: Yeah, I just can't do it. I tried to watch the All-Star race and it was just it was just not good racing. It was boring. It's just like the stage system has screwed up anything that they were hoping to cultivate. Um I don't know. Yeah, so F1, especially with the new regulations this year, it's really made things Interesting. So I've been really enjoying it still.
0: Mm-hmm. So then, who's your who's your favorite driver currently racing?
1: See, this is a tough question. Um, mm-hmm. This is what happens. I, I ask
0: the tough questions. That's what this show is.
1: I was a Jensen Button supporter for years and years and years, um, and he's no longer racing full time. He appeared in Monaco this year uh, to replace Fernando Alonso, who was busy running the 500.
0: Well, and they um, both had a good weekend. Neither one had any issues.
1: Oh, oh no. <laughs> uh, I, I'd i have to say right now uh, it's between Daniel Ricardo and uh, John, uh, Fernando Alonso. Mm.
0: Alonso simply because he's like the bad luck bear of like racing?
1: He's someone I didn't appreciate fully until he was in a car that – I have someone knocking on my door real quick. Um, uh, I will mute my mic real quick.
0: uh, That's Sorry about this. That's fine. I'll just sit here and vamp with the listeners while we're doing that. So uh, make sure, since we're in a little bit of a break here, you go visit trackmonkeyapparel.com. Check out those T-shirts. We will be having a shirt coming out uh, with them. uh, Hopefully early July-ish. So if you like to support the show and are interested in doing so, go check out com. bookmark them, uh, make them aware that, you know, or not make them aware, but bookmark them, you know, keep checking back for updates. Obviously, I'll post stuff on Twitter, on Facebook, and on the Instagram when it becomes available. Um, and I'll obviously be mentioned in the podcast, but again, look for that earliest july um and make sure to visit rightfootdown dot because they help the show they help us put together what's happening here. Um, yeah, I post a lot of stuff over there. I put some articles up over there, which is fun and exciting, and they edit them so I appear like I have a command of the English language that I absolutely positively do not have. So uh,
1: you don't give yourself enough credit. <laughs>
0: I, I'm glad you're back. I had no idea where I was going with that either. It's, again, it's been a—I don't know if I said this on show. It's been a draining week in the uh, in the real world for Ike. So, um, yeah. So where were we? Oh yeah, yeah. So you like Alonzo yeah, because he's that. the My, uh, bad luck bears. Uh,
1: uh Fernando is. Um, I didn't really appreciate him fully until he was just in a car that was dog shit. Like yes, <laughs> when previously he was like in a dog-shit car, but he was still in a dog-shit car that was at least capable of winning a race here and there. Yeah. Uh, when he was at Ferrari, at least, or at Renault. Uh, and, like, the man the man is going to go down as one of the squandered talents in all of motorsports. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I just... I It has been said a few times by friends of mine that the man could get a, a, a tractor into the second round of qualifying. <laughs> He's just so fast and so talented naturally that yeah i i just want him to, i just want to see him do well and he's a good personality for the sport and it's uh yeah i I really like him and then Ricardo is just Ricardo's just rad he's mm. he's great
0: uh, know, who is he racing for at the moment
1: Daniel Ricardo is racing for Red Bull racing
0: okay. I'm sitting there going, like, I, I can picture him vaguely, but I'm like, now, now i got a better idea of who he is. So what is what is the deal with Rebel? Because obviously McLaren sucks. I mean, they keep blowing motors because of the Honda connection for some reason. Uh, then Mercedes is next to untouchable except for Ferrari. And I don't really know where Red Bull kind of slots in there. Are they just kind of like... You know, always the bridesmaids, never the uh, bride, sort of deal this year.
1: Yeah, this year they seem like Ferrari and Mercedes. I would say are absolutely dead even in terms of pace. Yeah. Uh, this year, and it's led to this really great battle between Hamilton and Vettel. Yeah. Um, I'd say Red Bull's a comfy third, but they're still. Really far behind the the top two, and part of that's got to be the power deficit of the Renault motor, uh, even if it's badged as a Tag Hoyer uh, motor because that's sweet marketing. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's just it's pretty much got to deal with uh, power. Uh, I have to say that and Adrian Newey really he's been taking steps back from the Red Bull F one team, uh, pretty much only coming in when it's already too late uh, in my opinion but um, yeah it's been a really weird season for them
0: you mm-hmm. see like that's the part where like I don't quite get and maybe you could give like the brief explanation of this it's supposed to be a spec series so then how do you have teams that are able to get so much more power out of their cars if all the cars are supposed to be basically identical.
1: See, that's the thing, that's the difference between building to a set of rules and building to a spec. Mm. IndyCar is a spec series. Um it is the same chassis. Uh the only thing that are different are the uh, aero kits uh and the um a- engine. Those are the only things that are that separate the two uh Honda and Chevy. Um in F1, you are building to a set of rules. How you come to those rules is entirely up to you. Uh, and that includes the engine spec. Um, so that is why you will see these entire differences in power and integration and mm-hmm. aero solutions. Is Yes, it is, you're building to a formula, a rule set, but you are not building the same exact car as your rival.
0: Gotcha. That makes sense. Hence Formula One. Makes makes perfect yeah. sense when you kind of explain it that way. So, yay. See, it's like, that's the sort of like racing insight you get when you listen to DFL. Like, um,
1: Yes, all this and more.
0: So, then let's say if you had an unlimited board budget and to write a story or to do something with Hooniverse or DFL, what would you do with it?
1: I would have really loved if I had gotten carte blanche to do anything I wanted to, I would have loved to embed uh, with the Toyota Motorsports guys as they gear up for Le Mans this year and then with them all 24 hours through Le Mans this year. Because mm-hmm. um, I got a chance to go visit their factory in August of last year in uh, Cologne, Germany, and uh, really hear from the team what they were doing to come back um, from the 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 defeat that was handed to them by fate at the end of the 2016 edition of the race,
0: it, that was the craziest thing I have seen in terms of like, if it was a movie, they wouldn't script it like that because it would seem too obvious. Like, you ran too yeah, yeah 23 hours and like 58 minutes and then broke down on what was basically the last lap and then got a DNF because they couldn't do the cool down lap even. So uh, Mm -hmm. it's so crazy. And then they set the lap record for qualifying this year, which just seems crazy to me, which I, again, I think that's right. I I would love to watch that because there was, I'm sure you've seen it. There was a great documentary on Audi getting back into Mm -hmm. Le Mans racing and what they were doing and, you know, They did two of them, I think, and both of them are so super compelling. And there's something about Le Mans which, like, the storytelling just becomes amplified for whatever reason. I don't know if it's the history or if it's, like, the harshness of that event. But it's such a, I don't know, it's such a good background for racing stories.
1: Yeah, and I, I I think it has to do with history as well. And the fact that it's really just a race that will brutalize you. Any twenty-four hour event will, but there's something so unique about how Lamar chooses to punish people that's uh, it seems mystic almost. Hmm. Like we've built up the legend of this place enough that it's gotten a yeah. personality. It, the Nurburgring is the same way. Spy is pretty much as well. Um, yeah, uh, and yeah, it human stories come out of it naturally. It's it's a really special place.
0: Yeah. And then are you pro chicane or anti chicane?
1: Uh I'm always pro safety, so if the justification has been made for the chicane to be there, I am pro chicane.
0: I mean specifically at Lamont.
1: Mans? So specifically at Lamont I think the chicanes are fine. Okay. Uh I don't I think that straight's that long is one, boring. Two, uh just not slowing the cars down is probably throughout that, that straight is probably one of the best bets you can make in terms of safety um and then that's the interesting thing about uh kobayashi's new lap record that is also the fastest lap ever pre chicane
0: yeah that's nuts I, I didn't even put that in my mind but yeah that's nuts that that's faster than those old cars, because the chicane went in in the 70s, if I'm not mistaken. 86, 80, that late. Wow. So, yeah, that's crazy. So there are some pretty fast cars racing around there at that late stage. So, wow, that's nuts. I mean, that's balls to the wall, basically. So,
1: woo. And you've got to keep in mind that these LMP1 cars were supposed to be slower than last year's. Yeah. And then Kobayashi just comes and just destroys their lap record like that. Um,
0: yeah, that's crazy. That's nutty. So do you think they get the win this year?
1: I So they've got three cars compared to Porsche's two. Um, I think that they are going to play several different games at once, which with the three cars they have, I think they have – I think they are the favorites going in to win. I do not think it is guaranteed um, unless they've been hiding something in the other two cars and they're all going to streak off one, two, three at the beginning and leave the Porsches for dead. I don't think that's going to happen. After what happened to them last year, I kind of want that to happen. Yeah. Um, I am. Toyota has been very nice to me. I like my relationship with Toyota. At the same time, I. Uh, in LMP1H, I think all five of those cars have a chance to win. Mm.
0: Who do you think's going to pull out between Ford and Ferrari this year?
1: I honestly think um, we've probably got a slight Ford advantage because they were kind of sandbagging again. No, they've, yeah. they. Yeah, no,
0: that's not their way. And then they
1: get it. And then they get upset when people call them out on it. like we're out sandbag. I guess like you were a second off your, you were a second off last year's time. That's not how this works.
0: Yeah, you don't you don't make the car slower year over year. Uh, that's nuts. So I I think I think you're right. I I hope Ford gets to win. I'm always, you know, I I'm a hot-blooded Italian, but there's something absolutely fantastic about Ford winning over Ferrari. I don't know, you know, why that is. I just enjoy it so much. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: So we're getting close on time here. So it's funny you described the show as Inside the Actor's Studio because I have what I like to call my Inside the Actors Studio list of questions. Um, Go for it, know, yeah. Travaris pointed out that I have to kind of qualify this. Um, these are the answers as we sit today because we are car people and we are very fickle and the answers could change hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second. So this Absolutely. is Absolutely. As you sit there today, so what is your favorite car?
1: McLaren six
0: seven five LT. I'm assuming that's a race car. Six seven five.
1: No, that is uh, that it was their super hardcore version of the six hundred and fifty S street car.
0: Okay, yes. Now I feel a little dumb for not knowing that. All right, so then what's your least favorite car?
1: Uh. The Mitsubishi... uh, I-Miev?
0: Oh, that little thing, yeah. I-Miev, yeah. Huh?
1: I have a really hideous picture that I took at the Houston Auto Show, uh, not this year but last, um, of a pink Mitsubishi. I think it might be a Mirage. Um,
0: It is a Mirage, yeah.
1: The front bumper is just completely not the same color as the body. Uh, And I... There's not a day that I will draw breath that I will not be reminded of that car and then just feel hate.
0: You, you know what's sad is I actually I really like the Mitsubishi Mirage in that color. I think it's like the perfect like car for like someone who's not into cars to just punish people who are into cars.
1: I mean, it's certainly I feel punished every time I have to look at one. <laughs> Granted, I've never actually seen one on the road because it's a uh, it's a Mitsubishi.
0: Take that Mitsubishi. <laughs> it's true though. So the i or the Mirage? I mean, they're both. I'm gonna think, say the Mirage. All right, specifically. Well, I'm gonna say I like the Mirage, but everyone's entitled to be wrong, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I don't. Know, I'm not gonna sit here and defend that car though because there's not much to defend. Um. So what modification trend do you find yourself attracted to like emotionally, spiritually, or are you just like, I kind of like that and I don't, I don't care that I like that.
1: Do you know what I'm super into right now? Because the paint's on my Miata's toast. Huh. I really want, I don't watch anime at all. I haven't watched anime in years. Uh-huh. I really want a super dumb anime rap on the Miata. I really <clears> want one. I've seen a couple other anime wrapped cars lately. And I want one of my own so badly.
0: There is something to that. I forget what exact style that's called over there when they do like the wrap and make those cars all sorts of crazy. Um, oh, there's a specific name for it, and I can't think of what it is right now off the top of my head. But there, I do like that. There, there is a kind of like zero fucks given charm to that.
1: So. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: So then, what's your least favorite modification trend?
1: I still think excessive camber is just dangerous and stupid. Um, I, if you're going to do that, it you should be trailering that car to shows. You should not be driving that car to shows. That's just my own opinion. That's me on a tire safety thing. Because uh, your grip pattern or your grip patch is so knife edge on those tires, and you're stretching them, and you're just you're abusing the rubber. You're abusing your suspension. I, yes, it can look very cool, but I—if you're going to be driving it—I don't think the the safety trade-offs are worth it. Mm,
0: that's a very good point. So, what car do you dread being stuck behind at a red light?
1: Ferrari Five Twelve TR.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would hate this to be stuck behind one of those. What? But...
1: This comes from a story here in Austin. I was stuck behind one. Uh, Again, dude was looking on his damn phone, and we missed, I, I shit you not, two different green light cycles. Wow. Because he wouldn't fucking go.
0: <laughs> that is... Like, you're in a car that you're going to be seen in, and you are got more horsepower than you, than you or everyone on that block needs, and you're not going to take off at a green light? That's just shameful.
1: Yeah, it was not a... That was... Uh... I was getting pretty mad in the little Miata.
0: (laughs) So, I think I already know the answer to this one. What automotive sound or noise do you love?
1: Uh, Anything. uh, I'm going to say specifically European or Japanese V10s.
0: Mm. I've thought specifically on the V10s, you were going to say F1 V10s.
1: I want it to be more broad and encompass all because... I think the LFA is still the single best noise I've ever heard from the back of a car. Mm. Um, I got to drive a 60 M5 with a manual last year, and V10 with a stick and a BMW is always a good thing as well. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, this is true. So what automotive sound or noise do you hate?
1: I really hate... Uh, I really hate the sound of um, most flat fours. Hmm. Really don't like. Like, I think Subaru. Subaru is the only flat four, and only some of them sound good. Yeah. Like, there's like one or two Subaru flat fours that sound good. The new Porsche flat four turbo sounds horrible. Um, yeah, I just don't like them. It's just a weird
0: noise. Yeah, I get, I, I, I get where you're coming from. I agree. I, there's been very few where I've heard where I've been like, man, that sounds good. Most of it's like, it sounds like it's dying. Um, so in the automotive world, uh, you know, we're talking from like the guy at Jiffy Loop changing oil all the way up to, you know, the guy in charge of Fiat Chrysler. What profession would you most want to try?
1: I would love, and I. This is an answer that I is a goal of mine further down the line. I love working with people at events, mm-hmm. uh, so I would love to be a PR representative of some po- of some kind.
0: Oh, love it to death.
1: If I was doing press releases and events for a race team, if I was at auto shows talking to press, if I was talking to customers at auto shows, I would be very happy with that. Talking with people is my favorite part of this job and any job I've ever had. um, And I would love to continue doing that.
0: Uh, Just wait for age to take that away from you. You'll slowly learn to hate everyone and everything. That just might be me, though. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So what job do you think you'd be the worst at or you'd least want to do?
1: I'm a really terrible wrench. uh, So I'd have to say at like being someone that changes oil on it like a like the jiffy loop guy i would be the worst jiffy loop guy i would fuck everything up royal all the time and not with any malice i just have no faith in myself that i would be able to really knock it out of the park changing oil for eight dollars yeah. an
0: hour <laughs> basically anyone else a jiffy Loop Dose. So he'd blend right in um Just lost a Jiffy Loop sponsorship.
1: Uh, They don't have the money.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: So
0: you have a a choice here to make this following Mm -hmm. question. So I'm going to give you two cars that you can pick from, but you're not allowed to modify them beyond how they've already been modified, and you have to keep them the way they are, Um, and they will drive them. So one is you get a Mitsubishi Mirage but it's done up in that anime wrap and that crazy Japanese style with like the big exhaust pipes and everything like that. Or you get a McLaren 675, but it's got super excessive camper. Like the wheels are like riding on like a razor's
1: edge. My both cars would piss other people off so much. And that's something I rather enjoy. Um, So I'm actually – this is a way harder decision than I originally thought it was going to be once you (laughs) gave me the Mirage. Uh, I'd take the McLaren. Really? Yeah. Because that is the GT3 RS of McLarens. And then to just roll up in valet and just be like, yeah, fucking thing isn't going anywhere near a track. I love it got a carbon tub and full active aero I'm not using it look at those tires
0: yeah it can't turn can't do anything it's basically worthless as a vehicle but paid way too much money for it you know I I get that that's I, I was hoping I was hoping for the Mirage just a little bit just just to pull you in a little bit but I'm glad I made that difficult for you so then what's your automotive pet peeve?
1: this might be super regional specific in fact it's very city specific um austin has a really bad time with people not turning on their headlights at night because we're a very well-lit city and they think they don't need to it pisses like i am not a very angry man yeah it pisses me off to no end like your lights are not there for you to see i could drive without my lights on if i really wanted to my life the lights are for me to see you
0: exactly yeah that's Um, nuts
1: same thing when it when it's raining um that and texting and driving those i feel like those are my two
0: okay and then the last question for the evening which i believe is the most important question asked on any automotive show, and maybe one of the most important questions asked on any interview show. Um, I I think this speaks to the core of our humanity as like people. Uh, What is the hardest food to eat while driving?
1: I of all time or of like commonly eaten while driven.
0: Uh, I leave it open to interpretation, but basically hardest one to eat all time, yes.
1: Okay, because one of my favorite favorite meals of all time is uh, dipping ramen, which if you're not familiar, it is ramen with the broth, a condensed broth separated from the noodles and everything, and you dip everything together and enjoy it one mouthful at a time so the noodles aren't soaking up the broth, the broth isn't getting diluted by everything. That sounds... I don't care if I'm in like an autopilot Tesla. That sounds fucking impossible to eat in a motor vehicle. Mm, Dead the, stop.
0: The, the 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 dipping stuff is good in terms of like difficulty, and then ramen. You know, uncooked ramen does add a mess factor into it. So we got two very messy things interacting with each other. This is this is a good one. I, I I'm not familiar with this, so I really can't comment too heavily oh, on it's it.
1: Del- it's delicious. I. Uh... This sounds yeah. very
0: Austonian, to be perfectly honest. We
1: we do have, not to brag, on ramen Tatsuya so much. Hoping if I shout them out enough, they'll fucking hook me up with food. Um, well, you got to do but, it on Twitter, uh, man.
0: I, that's how I get free pizza and shit. So.
1: Free pizza. Uh, but, yeah, Tatsuya is just this beautiful restaurant. It's one of the best ramen places in the U.S. And we have it in here in Austin, Texas, and I love it to death.
0: Mm. So... I that uh, that sounds super difficult, but and super messy. So, but I, I have to judge it for my own. So I have to find a place that does dip in ramen, which is gonna be interesting, given that D.C. is the barren wasteland of culinary stuff. So it's
1: which basically is so the, shocking to me all the time.
0: Yeah, it's basically the opposite of Austin. You know, D.C. Um, yeah, that actually might be the good mo- motto for the D.C. metropolitan area. It's the exact opposite of Austin, Texas. So, like stuff comes here to die, of coolness. Like stuff goes to Austin to become cool. Stuff no longer is cool once it touches this major metropolitan area. So, um, yeah, that's we're just over on time. So, I think we're going to call that the evening. We answered the question. What's the hardest thing you've eaten while driving, though?
1: uh hardest thing i've ever eaten while driving was a Embarrassingly enough it was actually something super common i it was one of those things where i just had to fucking stop to eat so i stopped at a mcdonald's in between uh here uh houston and austin and let me tell you a, a big mac that has a lot of lettuce and sauce on it that mm-hmm. thing is the the single most unstable element in the entire human race <laughs> like that thing does not want to exist as a sandwich that thing wants to exist in th- seven different pieces all on your lap
0: mm-hmm. you don't realize how slippery beef is until you try and get a big mac cuz it's you know you have the two buns to grab but then the beef in between there basically acts as like a um almost like needle bearings or like a roller bearing it's very fascinating yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah and and then that you'd think that extra bun in the middle would add stability. No, mm. it no, just it does not. It
0: just holds the two patties together as they slip out from each other. But next time, Absolutely. next uh, next time anyone's eating a Big Mac here, which I do not recommend. Um, there goes the McDonald's sponsorship. Uh, just watch. Even eating it, just sitting down, it slowly slips out on you. Good point. Not up there in the pantheon of hardest foods to eat while driving, but is a good hard food to eat while driving example
1: i figured it was a very common example of a food that is surprisingly difficult to eat while driving
0: yes i'm I'm impressed with both answers sir. bravo i'm gonna have to check out this dip in ramen because i am fascinated by this now so i'm gonna have to add that to my matzo ball soup like good matzo ball soup up there so oh
1: shit matzo would be so hard to do while driving as well
0: Mm -hmm. this i need a list i need to put together my list because i got some great answers and I, i I have a goldfish memory and I forget most of them. So um, Patrick Hofstetter, it's been a absolute delight to have you on this evening. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you. Where can people go to find you, what you write and what you talk about?
1: Yeah, you can find me uh, at foodiverse.com. Just search for my name um, and you'll pull up every single thing I've ever written for that website, which is, man, it is a lot over the last couple of years. other than that the dfl show goes up every thursday on itunes uh universe and shout engine uh you can find me at twitter at party 116 uh even though that will definitely probably be changing soon um especially as i branch out into more freelancing and potential job offers um and and yeah that's pretty much where i'm at um yeah, the DFL show is on Twitter, Facebook, everything, at the DFL show. Uh, I love that show with my life. It is uh, probably my favorite thing I've ever worked on. Um, and then, yeah, follow me on Twitter for personally for just whatever. Mm-hmm. Just whatever I'm feeling.
0: It, it's a good Twitter to follow. So thank you so much, Pat, for joining me this evening. You're a liar, from... but thank you. no. Oh it as someone who ingests a ton of Twitter? It's nice to not have it all just be like car stuff. Sometimes the personal stuff is interjected in there makes it makes it feel more real. Makes me feel like I'm alive as a person.
1: <laughs> Feelings are important, as it turns out.
0: Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. Like, yeah. Uh, it's a long week. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Patrick, as delight to have you on, uh, come back anytime. I'm going to say goodbye to you off air. Everyone who's listening to this show, I will be right back with you. And all right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening this evening or morning, whenever you're listening to this, uh, go check out, you know, Patrick's stuff. Make sure that if you like what you heard today, you tell a friend, loved one, or coworker, um, you know, that's the best way for us to grow here as a little family of podcasters. Uh, make sure you, you know, follow me on Twitter. That's the best ways, place to follow me. Uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes. That helps out a lot on that platform. You can follow our West Coast correspondent on Twitter at Ryanator122. You can uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram when I remember to update those two. So if those are your two platforms of choice, make sure to message me on there and you know harass me because the best way to get me to update a thing is to remind me because I have my goldfish memory. So thanks everyone so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Have a good night. Have a good evening. And I say this every week, but I really mean it. Please be safe out there.